Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us now. We pray that through the wisdom that you have given to your Apostle Peter, that we would hear your word. We pray this for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All over the country, men and women are following a strict regime. Rising at unearthly hours, they hop into a boat and cover miles upon miles as they row, or they spend hours in the pool, or they practice their their technique over and over again. They carefully watch their diet. They don't overindulge. And it sounds terrible if you like the warmth and comfort of your bed, if you prefer chocolate and sweets, and would rather watch others play sport than get involved. But stop one of those men or women if you can, and ask them why they're putting themselves through all this torture, and you'll see their eyes missed over. They'll travel in their mind's eye to a day about 35 days away when they stand on a podium and the national anthem is played and a gold medal is hung around their neck. To win that gold in Rio 2016 at the Olympics They live every day between now and then in preparation for it. They will order their life now to reflect the glory of that day. The Apostle Peter is urging us to live in the same way as he finishes his second letter. But don't worry, he's not calling us to get our trainers on and to get in training Thankfully. Rather he's calling us to live in the light of the day of the Lord. The day of God as he puts it in verse 12. And it might be useful if you turn back in the service sheet to find the reading again. Last week you might remember we were considering the return of the Lord Jesus. While some people may mock and scoff. We can trust God's promise. We can be certain that Jesus will return. And with it, the heavens will pass away and the heavenly bodies will be burned up. But given that that's going to happen, it leaves us with a big question to ask. Verse 11. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, What sort of people ought you to be? If this is what's going to happen to the earth and the sky and the stars and the sun, then how should we live? Will it change how we do things and what we do? As we'll see, Peter calls us to live in the light of eternity, or in other words, doing now what we'll be doing then.
So let's look first at what we'll be doing there. We've already looked at verse 10, at what will happen to the heavens and the heavenly bodies. And Peter virtually repeats himself in verse 12. He says, Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Now, given that we're told that all this is going to happen, then you might be tempted to think, That it doesn't really matter what you do or what you think or what you say. If everything is going to be destroyed, if everything is going to be burned up, then what difference would it make to how I treat Mrs. Jones up the road or whether I change at all? But the day of the Lord isn't the end of the world. Do you see how Peter continues, verse 13? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. After this cataclysmic day of the Lord, these new heavens and new earth will be formed and we will live with God forever. If we're trusting in him and his promise. Sometimes as I visit and particularly when discussing funerals with the bereaved we get to talking about what heaven will be like. And sometimes people's notions can seem very unheavenly. A place where you go fishing every day, that sounds like torture to me. But what does Peter tell us? Heaven, the new heavens and the new earth is where righteousness dwells, where righteousness is at home. It's a place where there is perfect righteousness, where where people are in perfect relationship with God and with one another. Where there is no more sin or sorrow and we can perfectly please the Lord. This is what we're aiming for. Taking our place in the new heavens and the new earth. Rather than being on the podium and receiving a gold medal. After all, one day these gold medal winners will be too old to take part. Someone else will break their record. Someone else will win those medals and take their place. But the new heavens and the new earth are permanent. They can't be taken away from you when you get there. Or you can't be taken away from it when you arrive. But if that is where we're aiming for, the place of righteousness. If this is how we will be. Then how should we be living now? Or to ask Peter's question again, what sort of people ought you to be? In verse 11, we see the big picture of what it will look like. Peter talks of lives of holiness and godliness, being separated, set apart for God, reflecting God's goodness in our life, becoming more like God. Now, it might be obvious, but 
Remember that we can't live lives of holiness and godliness by ourselves. Peter isn't calling us to just do it ourselves, to try harder to be better. He's writing to Christians, to those who have that faith of equal standing with the apostles, as we saw in the very first verse. Holiness and godliness can only come after we've been saved, not before. So if holiness and godliness is the big picture, Peter gives us some of the particular details of what that will look like. Look at verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. It's the opposite It's the contrast with the false teachers that we met back in chapter 2, who Peter described as blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. If we're going to spend eternity living where righteousness dwells, then we need to be living that way as best as we can right now. It's a bit like when you pack to go on holidays. There's no point putting in all your warm clothes if you're going to lie on a beach. Well, there's no point just having um, swimming trunks and and t-shirts if you're going to go climb mountains or go skiing. It just wouldn't work. You need to prepare for where you're going to be and, and be ready. Or imagine that you want to stay in the EU. You don't like how the vote has gone and so you decide that you're going to move to France. You're going to live there instead. You would spend lots of time learning the language, learning the culture so that when you move you'll be able to settle in and live in that new place. But we're on our way to a new place as well. Are you speaking the language of heaven? Are you living according to its culture and its practices? Are you at peace with God and with your brothers and sisters? One of the ways to help prepare for moving to a new culture is to have a guidebook. And if you were planning to move to France, Amazon have 91 different books that could help. Living and Working in France, a Survival Handbook. The French Property Buyer's Handbook. Moving to France with your children. Retiring in France, to name just a few of them. As we prepare for our new home, In the new heavens and the new earth. Peter says that we have a guidebook as well. We have the scriptures. And these verses are really significant as we seek to understand the Bible. He says in verse 15. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you. According to the wisdom given him. 
as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. Isn't it reassuring to see that Peter thinks that some of the things that Paul wrote are hard to understand? Yet nevertheless, Peter regards Paul's letters as scripture. On a par with the other writings which we've already seen in chapter 1 of the Old Testament. He says you have the Old Testament scriptures and you have Paul's letters and their scripture as well. They might be hard to understand sometimes but keep working at them. Keep studying them because they help us prepare for the day of the Lord and for heaven. You see false teachers are a constant danger. We've already had chapter 2 and that warning. But Peter gives us another warning. That ignorant and unstable people are going to twist the scriptures. But you know that they're going to do it. Peter warns us of it. And so his final two verses are a great summary of how to use the Bible as we live now in the light of eternity. Peter writes, you therefore beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Don't follow the errors of the false teachers, the the lawless people. It will make you lose your stability. It will prevent you from increasing in those qualities we looked at back in chapter 1. Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection and love. Instead, Peter tells us, grow In the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Through holding to his promises. Through trusting in his word. And learning it so that it changes how you live. And prepares you for the new heavens and the new earth. Perhaps you realise that you're not ready to live. For righteousness dwells. To use the the phrase of C.S. Lewis, it would seem like a hell to you. Before trying to change how you live, you first need to be changed yourself. The invitation is there to come and trust God's promise that when you have faith in Jesus, you have that future secure. That you will live with him in the new heavens and the new earth. But maybe you are already a Christian. And yet the thought of heaven doesn't fill you with joy. Are your affections tied up with this world? Are you 
too much in love with the world and concerned with the pleasures and worries of this life. Peter says that it's all going to pass away. So instead, set your minds on the new earth, not this one. Take some time to consider where your heart really is, where your treasure is. Take some time to read through what the Bible says about heaven and what it's like. And in the words of that hymn, ask the Lord to tune your heart to his grace. And ask yourself. Am I becoming more ready for heaven as each year passes? Am I growing in grace? Am I growing in knowledge of the Lord Jesus? Or am I wasting my remaining time on earth? How terrible it would be if those Olympic athletes give their whole lives chasing a gold medal. And yet we who are assured of heaven. They would put us to shame with our miserly and weak efforts to be ready for that day. The athlete seeks glory for himself or herself through swimming or running or cycling or shooting. All eyes are on the person standing in the gold medal position. Our motivation to live now in the light of eternity isn't for our own pride. It isn't for our own glory so that we can say, look at how well we're doing. But rather as Peter's final words in the Bible declare. It's all about Jesus. It's all for Jesus. To him be the glory. Both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.